Imagine your wrists bound. Akuda is the Hebrew word. And it specifically refers to one of the most difficult and one of the most divisive stories in the entire Old Testament. But hey, before we jump into that and everything that God has for us today, I wanna welcome you to Faith Promise, whether you're live at a campus, live online. We're so excited about not what only what God has done, but what God is going to continue to do today in your life. I don't know about you, but I hope you've been enjoying and challenged in this last month by figuring out new ways to live awestruck in our relationship with God. I wanna encourage you, if you missed a week of this series, to go back and watch it. But not only that, we've been doing some podcasts specifically to equip you to live an awestruck life. So I, I do that with my wife, uh, Rachel, and then we have a guest that will join us each month. But hop on there and figure out ways where you can live awestruck personally, as a spouse, as a parent, whatever that looks like, join us with that. And I just hope that you have some anticipation for what God's gonna do. Looking forward, we have a series coming up in August, really outline the future of our church. I'm just so excited. Is anybody excited to be a part of Faith Promise and everything that God's doing? Gosh, I hope that you are. Well, today we are going to loosen together some of the knots or whatever is binding up our worship. Because again, worship is not just singing songs together here. It's a lifestyle of awestruck of who God is and what God's done. An awestruck lifestyle, a lifestyle of worship, it will even affect our leadership. It'll affect how we live. So just, I wanna tell you about one more thing, something new at Faith Promise that we are simply calling next. Something we're calling next. And what next is designed to do is to help you, equip you to win your world as you are a supernatural leader. At Faith Promise, we wanna raise up supernatural leaders who are committed to winning their world. That's what we so want for you. And hey, winning their world to Jesus. And we believe this is our first step in creating a, a leadership, uh, an equipping experience so that you can win your world to Jesus. Now I wanna tell you, next will not be easy. It'll be a big commitment and space is limited. But if you feel God drawing you to more, you feel like God is telling you there is more in you that you're called to impact the world. And hey, this is not like, this is not vocational ministry. This is right where you are, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you work at, uh, whether you're a banker, a construction worker, whatever it might be. But if God's calling you to more, allow us the opportunity, the privilege to equip you for that more. Because hey, we believe that you're a leader. And that's not us just being optimistic or over-spiritual. Jesus says something over your life in Acts 1.8, one of my favorite verses. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But hey, listen, how many of us, if we're honest, we may feel like we're living with both or one, at least one of our hands tied behind our back when it comes to our leadership, when it comes to our discipleship, when it comes to our worship. But hey, it's right there in Acts 1.8. Jesus said that power and potential to win the world is available. Hey, do we believe that God's word is true? Well, you knew better than that. All of our campuses, do we believe God's word is true? 
Do we believe that God's power is available? Here's a better question. Are you available? We believe that God's word is true, that his power is available. The question for us today is, are we available? Or are your hands bound? Is your heart bound? Hey, is your worship unbound? But listen, what, what, if, if, if your worship is not unbound, what is binding up your worship? What has your stomach in knots? When you think about surrendering it, when you think about offering it up to God, what do you need to surrender? Let's pray. God, we come before you today and we just beg you to move. God, I've been so desperate to see you move this weekend. God, that our eyes would be open in a way that only you can. God, that we would surrender things that maybe we've held on since childhood. Maybe it might be uh, something, a gift we've been given. Maybe it's a lie that we believe, whatever it be. But shake your children free and surrender this weekend. God, we love you. We're available and we're anticipating for you to move in a miraculous way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, about that word surrender. Now, we already do it in so many areas of our life, relationally, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, right? You might surrender your New Year's resolution to lose a couple pounds for that donut, which I get it. I get it, right? Uh, maybe you surrender something you want now so that you can, you can meet a financial goal that you have. We all surrender. It's a give and take all the time, but we also see it throughout the Bible. Last week, pastor preached about the woman with the alabaster jar, and she surrendered that to Jesus. There's a little boy, maybe you've heard about in the Bible, who surrendered his lunch to Jesus, right? Just his lunch, and Jesus fed 5,000 men with just that surrendered lunch. Or maybe you know about Jesus sacrificing his life on the cross so that we can have a relationship with God, surrendering his life. If you look closely throughout scripture, each time we see someone surrender, and then something incredible happened. And I think, I believe that all of us, whether you're a Christian yet or not, we are hoping something incredible happens in our life. But are we willing to surrender? See, I believe this to the core who I am. I've seen it to be true my whole life. Your level of surrender will either restrain or release your worship. Your level of surrender will restrain or it will release your worship. God meets you at the level of your surrender. See, we actually see a lack of surrender. Restrain or limit a level of worship in Mark 10. It's so clear. In Mark 10, 21 and 22, we see a young man bound up. Think about this. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus said, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have, give to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. And Jesus said, then come and follow me. Jesus loved this guy. Jesus wanted to be with this guy. Then the man's face fell and he went away because he had great wealth. See, this guy, Jesus loved this guy. He wanted to be with them, but this guy, the rich young ruler, as they call him, his security was tied up in money and not in the master. How about you? Where's your security tied up? 
Hey, listen, if we're not careful, it's human nature to blame where we're at spiritually and in our worship, we blame it on circumstances or even on God. But hey, when we look at Matthew 10, I believe it's a great picture of our life. Jesus loved him, he loves you. Jesus wanted him to follow him. Jesus loves you and wants you to follow him. But the question is not what Jesus wants, question is what do you want? This was, that, that was on him, not Jesus. Your surrender, your worship, can I challenge you today? It's on you, not Jesus. Today, let's not be victims. That's the world's card, we don't play that. Let's be victors. Is your level of surrender restraining or releasing your worship? For a father and son in Genesis 22, an awestruck moment of worship started a seemingly, it started at a seemingly awful request. Come here, big guy. I'm gonna have my little buddy, Rivman, help me with this. So I'm gonna read you a passage, but let me ask you this question first. What are you unwilling to surrender in worship? What, and God, I'm gonna keep asking that, and God's gonna reveal something to you. In Genesis 22, verse two, we read this. Then God said, take your son, you want to know some who you love, Isaac. This is Abraham and Isaac. And go to the reason, a region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. Now, I want to encourage you to read this whole passage, Genesis 22, this week as a family. But we skip ahead a little bit. Abraham does it. He goes. Isaac spoke up. So Isaac spoke up to Abraham and he said, Father. Abraham said, Yes, my son. And Isaac said, the fire and the wood I see, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering, right? If, if, you, if you know that this is important, Abraham answered, God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. See, in the old, before Jesus came and spilled his blood, in the Old Testament, they would have to find an animal, a lamb, a ram, uh, an ox, something that was without blemish, something that was as perfect as they could find, and they sacrificed it for their imperfections. That's what they did. That's how they did that, right? And they would do it on an altar. Let's head over here, buddy. So in Genesis 22, verses 9 and 10, it says, when they reached the place, so that when they reached Moriah, God, uh, when they reached the place, God told them, Abraham built an altar there, built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Start to see what God has asked Abraham to do. Lay the wood on it and then placed his son on it, on top of the wood. You a big guy. And then he was supposed to sacrifice him. It says, then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. I don't want to do this. God, did you see the look in his face? 
the betrayal in his eyes. First he fought the ropes, but he's just a boy. What is he supposed to do? And then that betrayal turned to terror. I can't. This has to be too far. When you told me to leave behind everything I loved, everyone I loved, I didn't question it. When you wouldn't relent from raining fire down on those two wicked cities, I trusted in your judgment. But this, God, not my son. So what? What's the point? To take his life to demonstrate that you have mine? That I love you? I do. He's my miracle. Why would you take my miracle away? Away from Sarah? Aren't you better than this? supposed to be better than this. I'm sorry. I know. You are better than this. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know it. So, 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 so what's the plan? I take his life and then what? How is this the son that you are going to make a great nation out of. Are you going to raise him? Raise him from the dead? One side. One side. This knife. It reminds me of that night. I held it when we first made our covenant together. This boy. My son, he shouldn't even be here. Who's ever heard of a woman giving birth at 90? So, if you can make a dead womb alive again, maybe, maybe you can make my son alive again too. Sorry. I'm sorry. Help me. Abraham, stop. What? I know this was an impossible choice to make. Yet you showed me how much you still believed in me to do the unbelievable. Your faith in me has made you righteous, Abraham. You trusted me and did not even hold back your only son. Everything I have is yours. And I freely give it. And I freely offer it.
campus, stay standing, stay standing for a moment. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes, just me and you. Before we go into more of what God has for us, I just think it's, a, it's just a holy moment. At all of our campuses, if you know already what it is, something that God's asking you to surrender, it could be an addiction, it could be a relationship, it could, it, it could be something that's not inherently a sin, it could be something that is. But if you would say, hey, I know what it is, and today I'm gonna surrender, will you just raise your hand? Hands all over. Gosh, God is so proud of you. Or you can put them down. Let's pray before we get back into God's word. God, right now, God, thousands of hands were just raised online at all of our campuses. Hands were raised saying, I know what it is. God, and I'll surrender it. God, that's all you've asked us to do. That's what you asked to do is to meet you in surrender. And God, what I ask right now, please, please, please meet us. You're gonna, everybody that raised your hand, listen, God's gonna give you something to do. He's gonna give you a step to take. And what I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna ask you to take it. I'm gonna ask you to take it, just like that little boy surrendered his lunch and Jesus fed the multitudes. I'm gonna ask you, just like the woman with the alabaster jars, she sacrificed it. Just like Jesus, all, all Jesus did was die on the cross, but it offered us eternal life. What is it? What is it that God's asked you to do? What step has He asked you to take? And I'm telling you, you're gonna experience revival. We are gonna experience revival because that obedience, seal it right now, God. Seal it right now. In your name we pray, amen. Faith Promise, can we celebrate all of our campuses, what he's gonna do? Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Gosh, God is so good. You think about Abraham. Before and after the test, Abraham said, here I am, you can have it all. Here I am, you can have it all. Abraham obediently offered Isaac. He offered him. Let me ask you, what are you willing, what are you unwilling to surrender in worship? For Abraham, the question was about his son, Isaac, who he loved. It was an incredibly difficult decision for Abraham. I mean, you can see it just in this small depiction. It was so hard. What would be incredibly difficult for you to surrender today? What would be a test of your faith? We watch Abraham. And, and what he does is he believes that God would meet him at the level of his surrender, that he would meet him, that he would provide a way. Do you believe that God will meet you at the level of your surrender? Do we believe that no matter what God tells us to give up, that he will be enough? This is huge. Or are we afraid? Do we think, what if God actually kills what I offer up? What if I offer up a relationship and he kills it? What if I offer up a dream and he wants me to sacrifice it? What if I offer up a desire and he takes it? What if I offer up a gift and he keeps it? What if, Pastor Zach, what if he kills it? Now you know just a fraction of what Abraham was tempted to think. Sure, we know in Genesis 22 that Abraham believed, and yes, he passed this test of his faith, but you know it was a three-day walk from where God spoke to Abraham to Moriah where the sacrifice would have been made. Don't you think he wondered in his moments of weakness as they were walking when it was silent, what was Abraham thinking? What if God actually makes me kill Isaac? What if he takes back this incredible gift, this promise of generations that he gave me? Are we willing? What are we willing? Unwilling 
to surrender in our worship. What if, because again, we have a tendency to blame God, but what if your lack of surrender is the thing that has your worship and your intimacy with God gagged and bound? That's not God's plan. Thankfully, we have an example, and Abraham demonstrates not only his faith in God, but that God is worthy of that level of trust and surrender. And God provided a sacrifice. God provided that ram. That's why it says in Genesis twenty-two fourteen. so Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day, on that mountain, the Lord, uh, by the Lord, it will be provided. And you know now that Jesus has come, it's not about a temple or a mountain anymore, it's you. You are the place, if you're a Christian, you are the place where we are a witness that it will be provided, that the Lord will provide exactly what we need. But hey, today, how can we untie ourselves and prepare to worship God with the same level of surrender that Abraham did? We can do that by knowing some things about God that Abraham knew so he could act and surrender. The first thing that Abraham knew that we have to know, and when I say no, I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about here. In the New Testament, when it uses the word no, it talks, the word is gnosko, which doesn't mean to know here, it means to know here. And let me ask you, do you know here that God is trustworthy? If we look at the whole account of Genesis, we will see that Abraham failed the test more times than he passed the test. Yet it's not about Abraham keeping his part. It's the fact that God will always keep his promise. He kept it to Abraham and he'll keep it to you. I love what it says, what God says in Genesis 22, 15 through 17. God says this, I swear by myself, not by you, not by what you might do or what you might not do. God says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this, because you have not withheld your son, your one and only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God had made a promise to him that he was going to keep. No matter how many times we fail, God will never fail to live up to his name. In the Bible, one of the names is Jehovah, Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And you may say, well, Pastor Zach, I, have, I still struggle to trust God. Can, can I just ask you, are you spending time with him? Do you have a Bible reading plan that you're on? Do you have a daily devotional time with him, a time of prayer? It's really hard to trust somebody that you don't spend time with. See, Abraham had a knowledge and a belief in God that allowed him to pass an impossible, <coughs> sorry, sorry, <coughs> pass an impossible test. Abraham knew that God, that God was worthy of whatever he asked, a full surrender. Abraham knew that. He knew that he was trustworthy. He also knew, not just here, but in here, that God was praiseworthy. Asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, it seems harsh, right? Maybe even cruel. It's, it's just a hard thing to, to put our mind around. But hey, that's exactly what God does with his own son, Jesus. Not because he's cruel, but because he loves us. 
Because just like in Abraham's day, when they would have to sacrifice to atone for their sin, there had to be a sacrifice to atone for our sin. We fail the test all the time, right? There's some of us that probably already failed a test this morning. We've walked in sin, yet Paul says this. Paul shares this good news in Romans 5, 8. He says, but God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still, still sinners, Christ died for us, still sinners. We didn't have to come back. We didn't have to fix anything. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's often not talked about in the story of Abraham and Isaac is the fact that Isaac would have been in his 20 or 30s. He wouldn't have been a little boy like, like my river. He'd have been 20 or 30. If Isaac didn't know why they were leaving when they left their house, he would have figured it out along the way. I believe that's why biblically Isaac asked, hey dad, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where is the sacrifice? But listen, and you may think, God, imagine that three-day walk. It was so much worse for Jesus. Jesus knew the moment that he came to earth, that he was here to be sacrificed. But unlike Isaac, Jesus was perfect. And unlike Isaac, because Isaac was never sacrificed because God sent a substitution in the ram, Jesus was the substitution. For Abraham, for Isaac, for me, for you, Jesus was that substitution. There was nothing that God could say, stop, don't crucify him. There's something else that can take the place of the sin of these people. It was only Jesus. And that's why we can and should and will worship with an absolutely awestruck life, with the same surrender as Abraham. We can do that because God is trustworthy. God is praiseworthy. And the last thing, God is surrender worthy. Faith promise, I'm convinced that we need a God-pierced surrender. Jesus allowed his hands, his feet, his side to be pierced and die on the cross in total surrender so that he could die and raised from the grave and overcome death so that we can have a relationship with God. How can we not be willing to offer everything we have to him in our worship? In Genesis 22, 16, God tells Abraham, because you have done this and not withheld your only son, your only son, you know what's weird about that story? Abraham had two sons. God didn't forget about Ishmael. Abraham's other son. The best, the best translation for that word only son in the Hebrew would be unique. You unique, see, Isaac was unique because God had made a promise to Abraham that Abraham wrapped his identity in that was gonna come through Isaac. Can I ask you something? Is there something unique in your life that you are not willing to surrender in worship? See, all year long, we've been challenged as individuals and as a church to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, like it talks about in Romans 1, 12, 1 and 2. Because we know that the hands that hold you, mold you. I really am, Faith Promise. I'm praying that there is a revival that breaks out this weekend, a revival. It could be our whole church. 
It could be one campus. It could be one home watching online. It could be one family. It could be one person. I can't tell you where revival will break out, where it will start, but I can tell you what will happen. Those people or that person will worship in complete surrender. Notice I didn't say perfect surrender. They won't be perfect. That was only Jesus. But they will worship in complete surrender. Can I ask you again, Faith Promise, before we go into worship, is your level of surrender restraining or releasing your worship? What are we unwilling to surrender in worship? Is it a lie you've believed? It is the goal that you've attained? Is it a thought about yourself? Listen, we're gonna give you an opportunity to every campus to come to the altar and pray with a prayer team member, to kneel in front of the crosses, to to make an altar at your seat and surrender. Because we know God is trustworthy. He keeps his promises. We know that God is praiseworthy. He's perfect and good and loving. And we know that God is surrender. Listen, God is surrender worthy. He is worthy of whatever he's asking you for right now. And I know he's asking and he's worthy. Does your life, does your worship show the world that our God is worthy? Listen, God will. He'll meet you at the level of your surrender. So can I ask you, what is your level of surrender? Is there something you're not willing to give? I'm gonna invite our campus pastors to come up. I'm gonna pray for us. And then we're gonna talk about, gosh, the greatest surrender that's ever happened so that we've been given the greatest gift that could ever be given. Let's pray. God, we come before you right now with anticipation. We're so grateful for you. And as we talk about the gospel, Jesus, the gift that you've given us, we just ask that right here, we're never the same. Some of us have been to church thousands, tens of thousands, thousands and thousands of times. But why in the world would we come into your presence, God of the universe, and not be transformed? Let it be here. Let it be now. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, Abraham was awestruck by God. And he was willing to sacrifice his own son in obedience and in worship. And in the Old Testament, before Jesus came and died on the cross, the priest would sacrifice a lamb to atone for the sins of the people. This payment of sin, it was a it was a temporary thing because it had to be done again and again, right? Because uh, uh, a, a animal life and a human life, they're not the same thing. And these animals, they weren't, they weren't perfect, but the lamb, it was a picture or a foreshadowing of Jesus, the lamb of God, who would one day pay the penalty for people's sin once and for all. As Abraham was obeying God fully, God provided a lamb, that ram in the thicket, a foreshadowing of Jesus to save Isaac's life, just like he saved our lives. It says in Genesis 22, then Abraham looked and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. And so he took it, sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Paul in the New Testament after Jesus in just in in being astonished by what God had done, 
He says that when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. I'm a sinner, but because Jesus died on my cross, I'm not my sin anymore. Paul goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, because Jesus paid for it, is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Each of us, all of us deserve to pay the penalty for our sins, which is death eternally. But Jesus took our place and paid that penalty in full, a debt we could never pay. And now he is offering each of us the free gift of forgiveness for our sins because Jesus paid that price. If you have not received this free gift, then the Bible says all you have to do is ask, Romans 10, 9 and 10, all you have to do is ask. Because I don't know if you know this yet, you are utterly helpless without Jesus' saving grace. You must surrender your life to Jesus and receive this free gift. Are you ready? Then we wanna invite you into a moment of prayer of repentance. And at Faith Promise, we're a family. Nobody prays alone. So I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes with me. We're gonna pray this all together. But hey, before we even pray, if you would say, hey, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to be the savior of my life. Would you just raise your hand? We're gonna pray this prayer right now as a family. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Let's pray right now. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I admit that I have sinned and I'm in need of a savior. I turn from my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I will follow you. Be Lord of my life. Amen. My head's still bowed, eyes still closed. Hey, if you made that decision today, if you gave your life to Christ, will you just raise your hand? Let us know. We don't wanna embarrass you. We just wanna support you. We wanna love you. Awesome, awesome. Praise God. So good. Faith Promise, can we celebrate with people who gave their life to Christ today? Amen, amen. Hey, I saw a couple hands that we didn't get to. Can I just encourage you? There'll be a number on the screen. Will you, will you text the word save to that number and let us support you? Or put it on the communication card and drop it in the little deal on your way, the little bucket on your way out. We wanna love you, we wanna walk beside you. But hey, Faith Promise, we're about to enter into a moment of worship. And it's time to worship. We've talked about surrendering and we know what we need to surrender. We've come face to face with the gospel, the best gift that we've ever been given. And now it's time, maybe you need to come and take communion. Maybe you need to come and meet with one of our prayer team members, kneel at the cross, whatever you need to do, do not leave without surrendering what God has put on your heart. Now is the time to move. Now is the time to surrender. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I came to give them life and life abundantly. I'm telling you, Jesus has done his part. It's time for us to do our part. It's time for us to surrender and believe what God says about us, what his word says about us, not what the world says about us. Let me pray and let's worship. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that we be transformed. Holy Spirit, I pray as we worship, our lives would never be the same. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would believe right now, breathe into us what the word says, what God says. 
and not what the world says. God, give us a transforming surrender. Meet us at the level of our surrender. Bring revival to your people. In your precious name we pray, amen. Will you stand, surrender, and worship today?